Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 84 How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my Queen and my God. Happier those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of hosts will be seen in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. She bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. Second Chronicles chapter 29 verses 1 through 11 and 16 through 19. Hezekiah began to reign when he was 25 years old. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, just as his ancestor David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in priests and the Levites and assembled them in a square on the east. He said to them, Listen to me, Levites. Sanctify yourselves and sanctify the house of the Lord, the God of your ancestors, and carry out the filth from the holy place. For our ancestors have been unfaithful and have done what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him and have turned away their faces from the dwelling of the Lord and turned their backs. They also shut the doors of the vestibule and put out the lamps and have not offered incense or made burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore the wrath of the Lord came upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has made them an object of horror, of astonishment, and of hissing, as you see with your own eyes. Our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Now it is time in my now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger may turn against us, may turn away from us. My sons, do not now be negligent, for the Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence to minister to him, and to be his ministers and make offerings to him. The priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and they brought out all the unclean things that they found in the temple of the Lord into the house, into the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took them and carried them out into the Wadi Kidron. They began to sanctify on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the vestibule of the Lord. Then for eight days they sanctified the house of the Lord, and on the sixteenth day of the first month they finished. 
Then they went inside to King Hezekiah and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, and the table for the rows of bread and all its utensils. All the utensils that King Ahaz repudiated during his reign, when he was faithless, faithless, we have made ready and sanctified. See, they are in front of the altar of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 23 through 28. Thus it was necessary for the sketches of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves need better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again, as a high priest enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have to, he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once, and after that the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Good morning, and welcome to the third Tuesday of Lent. This is Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting from Iamsville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 84, 2 Chronicles 29, and Hebrews 9. And this morning's readings talk about um, cleanliness and the accrual of just gunk and shit and um, all kinds of stuff that you don't want in the temple. Um, and... Uh, in Second Chronicles, um, Hezekiah is one of the good kings. There's a lot of like kind of okay kings, and there's like Ahab. Um, uh, and the good kings, uh, there are a few, Solomon, David. Um, and in the divided kingdom, Hezekiah and Josiah are both like really good kings. And Hezekiah, uh, in this passage, has the priests and the Levites go through and clean up the temple. And there's some explanation to this and and everything. Um, but what's important, or my point, is that they go in and take their time doing a deep cleaning, which is something I'm sure uh, many of us have thought about in the midst of the pandemic, what it means to go through periodically and go and clean things up, get rid of the dust or the mold, and, and just kind of go through um, just going to town cleaning the place up. Um, in the military, they're called details. And I still remember every spring, you'd, I don't think we had like a hat or anything, but like you would get a detail where you'd go to like division headquarters and you'd mow the lawn and, you know, trim the trees and all that crap. Um, and you do this. It's just kind of a part of daily life. We think of it now as spring cleaning. Spring is almost upon us, and I'm sure many of us are now thinking about cleaning up and decluttering and um, doing all these things that we do every spring. Um, and the the repetition of this, the accumulation of gunk, is something that the writer of the book of Hebrews addresses. Um, and that is that um, for Jesus' sacrifice, 
it cleanses us once and for all. Um, it's not that he has to come back again and again like they did the temple or like we do in spring cleaning, um, but it's one time and then that's it. Um, and it's because it isn't just a sacrifice of goats and rams and bulls, but a sacrifice of God's own son. Um, and so he appears once for all at the end of the age. Um, and by sacrificing himself, he removes sin. And so sin is equated with the the mold and the gunk and the dust and the clutter in the temple. Um, in fact, they are uh, described as sanctifying the house of the Lord. Cleaning is um, equated with making holy. And I'm sure this is one of the passages where people would look to to justify the idea that cleanliness is next to godliness. Um, and I'm not sure that's necessarily true. Um, but cleaning does sanctify. Um, we think of the purifying fire, um, and maybe you've been told, as I have, that you're more heat than light. Well, the heat was the point, not the light. The purifying fire only works when it burns off all the chaff and the and the, the slop and the, the mud. Um, and so the um, it's not a refining fire if it's all light and no heat. Um, and it, it makes me think of, uh, actually, my mom's understanding of, of human dignity and, and honor. Um, she, used to, she used to describe, you know, we're all essentially gold bricks. And over time, that gold gets, um, you know, um, concealed or, or um, kind of obscured behind dust or mold or just clutter, right? Um, you can never take the gold away. Uh, you're adding things onto it. Um, you're adding sin and immorality and frustration, anger, whatever. But the gold is still there. There's nothing you can do to take the gold away. All you can do is add to it to obscure its brilliance. Uh, and that's what human dignity is like. You can't you know, take anything away. Nobody else can take anything away. All you can do is affirm the idea that your brilliance is harder to see. Um, and it's a lie. I mean, all gold bars are the same. All human dignity is the same. Um, but when we sin, when we do things wrong, or we allow things to be done against us, um, then that brilliance is obscured. And I say that um, we allow things to be done against us. Um, when I say that, I, I, I have in mind Gandhi's um, insistence that the people of India were cooperating with evil. He insisted that they had the power to self-determine. They had the power to free themselves of their own uh, colonialism and oppression by simply ceasing to cooperate with evil. And on the one hand, it's this kind of harsh rebuke like it, it almost sounds like victim blaming. But what Gandhi's point is, is to remind us um, through reminding his own people that everybody actually has the, the power in themselves um, to agree to or allow other people to obscure their brilliance, um, to, to exercise power in their lives. Um, they wouldn't be able to do that uh, were you to not cooperate. 
Um, it makes me think of the you know the scene in Black Panther where um, Killmonger says, you know, uh, when it comes to it, I want you to throw me off the cliff because that way I'll die with all my ancestors who, as they were being shipped from Africa to the New World to be slaves, they jumped to their death instead of become slaves. Um, you know, there there is no time in which we don't have power for ourselves. Other people also have power, and they can use that power to intimidate us, um, to scare us into submission, but we always have power. We always have the ability and the agency to do the right thing um, and to make sure that our brilliance is not obscured. Um, in in light of or in terms of military, right, that, uh, you know, <laughs> I still remember so clearly that um, one of one of the guys in my platoon is really good guy, great, smart. He's actually, he's black. He came from a broken home um, and he'd never known his father. And at the beginning of basic, like he was kind of rebellious and, you know, um, it, you know, you could tell he was relatively popular before he entered the military. But by the end, he was literally talking about how our drill sergeant was a stand-in for his dad, and like, and not necessarily in a very healthy way. Like, it, it was is very odd. Um, you know, there's uh, there are things that we do um, that allow others to have power over us, but there's a certain amount of strength in in not in realizing what the the stakes are, what the game is, and playing it before it plays you, as one of my supervisors said. And that's why I say the 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 boot camp thing, like on some level, consciously, I knew that this was a game, that boot camp, you know, it's everybody knows more or less what boot camp is about. So we shouldn't be surprised that they're going to yell at us. We might be surprised at our reactions. We might be surprised at some of the the day to day creative shit that they put us through, um, but nobody can truly say that they they were surprised when they got to boot camp that it would be boot camp. Um, and so, some I have this memory of like realizing, like my drill sergeant seemed to have it out for me. He talked about how he's from California, and I think I probably came in with like frosted tips or lemonade tips or something, and probably had something against Californians. And he, and I still remember, before graduation, I got honor grad without really realizing it. And he he said something to me about like how he didn't think I deserved it. Um, and he would, uh, graduation, he shook all the honor grads' hands. He said, congratulations. And when I went up there, he was dead silent. And he shook my hand and I walked away and that was it. And that was outside the game, but like I didn't let the game get to me. I didn't let the world tell me um, that um, that I was less than something else. Like I, I knew that the drill sergeant was playing a role, a game. Um, the British colonial colonialists or the colonizers, there was a game that we all play um, when somebody hits you on the face. Um, there's a game, you're expected to hit them back. And Jesus says, no, don't. Don't play the game. Or or rather, play the game before it plays you. So if you if they want to humiliate you, turn the other cheek and dare them to keep trying because they've failed. Um, that's what it means to, um, to 
keep the accumulation, the mold, the shit, the muck, the dust, the sin, uh, the games. That's what it means to keep those at bay so that you're not constantly cleaning up um, your own your own gold bar, your own temple, your own sanctuary. Um, what Jesus gives us the the ability to do um, is to clean, let or that we should still be clean and good. Uh, but He reminds us, His life reminds us that there was one sacrifice that means that at at the very least the cleaning that we need to do, the the amount of sin that we accumulate should be far less. Whereas once we had to, every year, go to the temple and make sacrifices to clean ourselves, to clean our own temple. Now, we don't have to go every year. We have the tools that we need to to play the game before it plays us, to, to game sin before it sticks to our own human dignity, um, obscuring who we are and what we can be. A prayer of self-dedication from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills, that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you. And then use us, we pray you, as you will, and always to your glory and the welfare of your people through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.